1: Good evening, everyone. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. Welcome to Emotional Management. Emotions aren't wrong. They're not bad. They're there to teach us. And sometimes emotions can be crippling. At other times, they can fill us with joy. I'm kind of sitting on joy right now. Uh, my daughter, Kaya, who has been on the show before, she's amazing, 14-year-old, uh, and she today played her first singles tennis match, and she won. And her proud father said, I am telling everybody on the radio. So super proud of Kaya for winning that. That was just awesome. So emotional management. This is your weekly checkup from the neck up. It's the show where we can talk about the things that are going on in your life. The numbers is 866-391-1020. Of course, you can email us on the dollar bank instant access at kdkaradio.com. But 866-391-1020 is the number. Tonight, I, I mean, one of the most, um, w- the issue that comes up a lot for me as a person who, A, specializes in anger, um, but just in general, I, I've experienced this throughout my, uh, just as an a everyday person in this world, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of anger out there. And you know that. You've experienced anger. There's probably people out there with whom you're still angry over something from a long time ago. Anger is something that sticks with us. It shapes us in ways that are not always healthy at all. Anger, of course, can be a motivator. It can help us um, get out of a situation, get us unstuck at times. But in general, oftentimes people make impulsive, irrational decisions out of anger that they later regret. One of the messages that I teach um, when I speak with young people all, all over is, is that people see your actions, not your intentions. And emotions are going to come and go, but actions cannot be undone. In other words, you're going to be angry. You've been angry before. You'll be angry again. Those emotions will come and go, but what you do out of anger cannot be undone. I think that's a powerful message to teach um, to teach for young people. But anger is out there and has been coming up a lot in e- in emails and on this show. I always love uh, talking with you if you, to call in and have that dialogue. But I also am, I understand in a, in a subject like this on life, sometimes it can be difficult to say, you know, I really want to call in and say it, but something's holding me back. I want you to feel free to be anonymous. If you want to be anonymous, make up a name, but I would love to, I'd love to be able to help. So for instance, when we go to some of the emails around anger, here is a, here was one of the first emails that I saw today, which is, it says, I have anger issues. I need help. Someone needs to help me before I lose everyone in my life. Now I don't, that's an anonymous, but I have anger issues. I need help. Someone needs to help me before I lose everyone in my life. So let's think, let, when, when you ask, um, when you reach out for help like that, um, you can see, you can almost see how anger is interwoven in what this person is going through, what he or or she is struggling with. But uh, you would imagine that when you say, I have anger issues, I need help, someone needs to help me, it's almost like that feeling of desperation, and that's what anger does. Imagine if you're going underwater and you're desperately, frantically trying to pull someone else in unintentionally. That's what happens a lot with anger. We get so angry um that we say, someone needs to fix this, someone else needs to do something about this, but when we are fixated on what others can do outside of us then we start we give away our power to them and then we don't we're not able to resolve it for ourselves so the question is and this is a great question i don't have a name to tell it to but i i would say that I, I appreciate this question and what we're going to talk about tonight is how do we deal with that anger that comes up so i have a new book coming out walking through anger and i'm real proud of this this is a legacy book for me i spent the last 21 years developing what i call yield theory and it's now an evidence-based approach we use it in the uh, department of corrections in the state of Pennsylvania and uh, very just it's it's a way to communicate with people and getting around that fight or flight response and being able to speak in ways that are heard look when you're angry when you're emotional and you don't know how to communicate with someone you love it's because have you really been trained in how to deal with these emotions when they come up this, we really don't go through a schooling to try to understand and analyze it and figure it out. But that's one of the great things about being able to do a show like this is we can talk about some of those things that we missed around how do we deal with things as basic as anger. Anger is something we're all going to experience. And I call my book Walking Through Anger because sometimes we think when anger comes up, if I just avoid it, I shove it down, I don't have to deal with it. Then it'll go away, but it doesn't. As you know, when we shove things down, they tend to bubble up somewhere else where we least expect it later on. And so if we don't learn how to deal with that, if we don't face it head on, then we're just prolonging our angst. And so in this book, Walking Through Anger, it's about how do we deal with it head on and do it in a way that's effective. We're always going to encounter conflict. That's in, that's inevitable. The question is, when conflict arises, how will we communicate through it? How will we deal with it? Um, and that's what it's about. So I'm really excited about that book. I've been doing the past couple um, – we've got some busy stuff around it. We've been doing some interviews, and and one of the things that I did recently is I read the book as, as an audio book. So it was kind of an honor to do that, to write a legacy book and then get to be the one who reads it. Um, so really excited about that. It's coming out through Sounds True. And the other thing is we've been working on a lot of videos to try to put out uh, more content for you. And if you go to YouTube and type in Dr. Christian Conti, you can see some of those videos there. Emotional management tonight. We're going to take your questions. I would love to take your calls. Um, a lot of emails to get to a couple around a- anger that we're going to get to right off the back as soon as we come back. 866 391 1020 is the number. Dollar Bank Instant Access is KDKA Radio.com. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. Welcome to Emotional Management. Your weekly checkup from the neck up. What's this? Is this news hot in off the press? Kaya Conti. Wins her first tennis singles match. That's fantastic. Kaya, I'm so proud of you. So let's get down to it with emotional management. I talk about this as we could treat this in giving information in ways that we didn't get when we were young, when we were growing up, when we were in school, about how to deal with our emotions. How do we really deal with them? Now, maybe you have a specific question in mind if you do, the number is 866 um, But when we really step back and look at our emotions, they're there to teach us something. So maybe you're angry and that anger is there to teach you something. Maybe it's there to motivate you for something. Now, if we listen to the wisdom of our emotions, we can learn, we can grow. And here's what I I found a little way to uh, phrase this that I think is at, at the core of emotional management. It's kind of a, this is the crux of it all. There's a difference between what I call two different worlds. The first world is what I would call the cartoon world. So follow me. The cartoon world is your world of shoulds. So every time you think, well, people should think the way I think. People should do what... I think they should do all those are shoulds. That's your cartoon world. That's not even real. And then the other world is the real world. And that is the world as it is. In other words, if people will sometimes do things that you don't want them to do and say things you don't want them to say. So watch or listen to this. If you learn, if you align your expectations, like you set out each day and you say, this is how people should be. They should be this way. And every single day you encounter the real world where people aren't like that, you're going to be let down. But the world isn't letting you down because the world is simply what it is. What's letting you down are those expectations that the world should be a certain way. So I phrase it as a cartoon world because the goal now is to learn to align your expectation with reality. In other words, if... You recognize that you will encounter obstacles all the time. You're going to encounter them. And when you do, the more prepared you are for them, obviously, the more effectively you're going to deal with them. If you say to yourself constantly, I shouldn't have to go through this. I've been through enough in my life. I shouldn't have to deal with this. The reality is that you are dealing with it. And what I have found is the more time we spend in the cartoon world, the more upset we are with life. Why aren't people? People should be like this. People should be like that. But the more we're able to align our expectations with reality and expect the world to be what it's taught us it is, the more effectively we will be in that world and the less Disappointed constantly, like, wait, why isn't, why aren't people living up to what I think it should be? Now, life happens on a continuum. And I think that's a really important concept to understand. We have a tendency to break things down into either or a lot and say, well, if I felt like this, I should have, you shouldn't feel like that. Or, you know, kind of one extreme to another. But life happens on a continuum. And when you can recognize that, then when anger is just building up, you can start to deal with it at the beginning and start saying, no, it's, it's wrong and bad. I, I shouldn't have this. And when it comes to the cartoon world, when you can start to recognize when you're having cartoon world thoughts and what that's leading to, then you're able to reset yourself. You're able to bring it back and, and focus on reality. Now, listen, reality isn't good or bad, right or wrong. Reality just is what it is. The question is, how do we deal with it? How do you deal with it? And if you're struggling to deal with it, if there are issues that are coming up that are angering you, maybe you get mad over politics. There was a study done recently that even if you mentioned the word politics, people's amygdala, the, the center of fight or flight response in the brain, lights up. In other words, the moment the word politics comes out, There are emotions that come out, and when those emotions come out, now people are not talking as rationally or as intellectually as they might see themselves speaking because they're really kind of weighted down with those emotions. So maybe you're struggling with anger around something, whatever it is, give us a call. 866-391-1020 is the number. But I want to come to uh, a question here. This is Two, two different questions. I'm sorry, three different questions. The con, so the, I'm just pulling them into one concept. It says, Can you explain the connection between ego and arrogance? And then one on ego and anger and anger and arrogance. Okay, so the connection, so the, here's the question. The question is, Can you explain the connection between ego and arrogance? All right, so this is a good time to know that idea or that concept about that, uh, cartoon world because that's what, That's what ego is a lot. Ego is that cartoon world. So when our, when whatever we are, whatever you define yourself as, whatever you, whatever you say, this is what I am. If you lost that particular thing, it doesn't make you less of a person. It just means you might be sad. You might have lost something that meant something a great deal to you, might have meant everything to you, but it doesn't make you less of a human being. In other words, if you have a a job and this job you've been doing for 40 years and you lose that job, that doesn't make you less of a person. That means you're out of job, but it doesn't mean you're less of anything. And the same is true in a relationship. Let's say a relationship doesn't work out and you think, well, I lost a part of me. No, you are still wholly you, but you will now miss a person that you enjoyed being around or that you loved. But that's important to understand that you are a whole being. So this co- this relationship between ego and arrogance is this. Our ego is who we think we are, and, and it really convinces us it has all the answers. And then our essence is who we actually are. It's much deeper. So if you think about it in terms of an iceberg, ego is the center of the part of the iceberg that sits above water. And essence is the part that sits in the middle it's it's the deeper in down the deepest part of the sea, so your essence is the part of you what you really are, and your ego is your who you think you are. So the question is about the relationship between ego and arrogance and here here it is we've started to really get caught up that in our cartoon world of the way I see the world is exactly the way the world is. Everyone should think like me. I'm right about this; others are wrong if you disagree with me, you're wrong, and that is ego convincing you it has all the answers but one of the things i argue about in uh, argue for in walking through anger is the when we're certain about things when we're so sure we have the answers and then we find out later on we're wrong oh so we become so sure and so certain about things that we don't really we really can't be certain about and so it it adds the element of faith and when we become really certain That's can be arrogance. Like I'm sure this is exactly what it is. So imagine you're sitting on the other side of a building from someone else and you're experiencing things that person cannot possibly see. So on the other side of the building and they tell you, no, you're not experiencing that. You say, what are you talking about? You can't even see my side. When it happens to us, we can recognize ego quickly. The problem is we tend to not be able to recognize our own ego when it's blinding us. And here's how we can tell. If we think we're right about, and, that, and that's a really good gauge for how much ego is involved. This should be, go my way. This is, exa- this is how people should think. And that's a good gauge for ego. So the relationship between ego and arrogance, I think the more certain you feel that your way is the right way, the angrier you're going to be when others oppose that, disagree with that, or bump against that. That's what I would say. If you have thoughts on that and you want to add to that, 866-391-1020 is the number. It can be tough sometimes to think about, I want to talk about my emotions. I want to talk about maybe my situation. Maybe you're struggling in a situation where you have an adult uh, child living at home and your relationship is changed through the years in many ways, but in some ways it just hasn't changed and it needs to change. Um, and then maybe you're in a situation in a relationship and that relationship is just not where it could be. And you know, that give me a call 866 391 1020 We're also going to talk about road rage tonight because road rage kind of fits in with this anger theme and it fits in with the cartoon world. And I have a question right in front of me about road rage that we're going to get to. Uh, so all that and more on emotional management. Again, the number is 866 391 1020. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management. The number is 866 391 1020. My tagline is that there are two kinds of people in the world. There are people who have issues and dead people. So if you're currently alive, you have issues. So do I. We all do. Give me a call. Let's talk about it. You know, we've, we've heard, we've seen this recently. So you're not alone. If you have a, a situation, let's say you're a parent and you have a child who's in his or her mid twenties, they're living at home, you get in constant arguments. I want you to give me a call. I want to be able to help, and we could talk about this. And I, and here's the thing: when we talk about these issues, it helps so many listeners who maybe aren't able or quite ready yet to call in. But I think if I could reach in all of your hearts and have you feel something, something that's kind—I of, kind of see it as a secret that I've learned twenty thousand plus hours of clinical experience, sitting down one-on-one with with individuals, couples, families when i see other people's worlds so f- frequently and have done it for so long i recognize that everyone struggles that's why i have that tagline everyone struggles we do we all have emotions we all get lost sometimes we don't have the answers some of you out there are parents of young children and you d- get you get frustrated you know you get frustrated more than you want to be getting frustrated and you want to know how to deal with it. So 866-391-1020 is the number. And then definitely uh, feel free to also send emails. You just go to kdkaradio.com and you can access it at the dollar bank instant access. So here is a question, uh email from Trisha. She says, how do you get through past issues that cause pain and keeps making you lash out? I want my marriage to heal. And I keep attacking him from my pain, Trisha. Trisha, great question. In fact, you are definitely not alone in this topic, because so many people out there deal with this. Whether this is falls under resentment, because that that's what happens. Look, I just did an uh, interview for Experience Life Magazine uh, this past week, and we're talking about that concept of resentment, and it's so it's such a common. It's such a common thing. What happens, we get pain. We get hurt. And when people hurt us, we want to keep making it, we bring it to our foreground. We keep reminding them they hurt us. So, Trisha, I can see you thinking, well, look, it's I'm lashing out, but it's hard to heal because these past issues. So, there were past offenses, and it's almost like a cut. So, if you visualize, if you cut your leg... You're not just going to go down there and start ripping at that cut. You want to take care of it. You want to bandage it. You want to put medicine on. You want to heal it. You would take care of that cut. You wouldn't keep reopening it and then wondering why it's painful. And that's what happens a lot of times when we are hurt. Look, it's no doubt that if you're in a relationship, you have been hurt by your partner at some point in time. And it's also no doubt that you have hurt your partner at times. And so when we're hurt, let's say you're hurt and you, you let somebody know, like you, you know, you hurt me and whatever it is, but you can't let it go because you keep bringing it back up and you keep telling them over and over again. Well, what is the point of telling them about it? Is the point of telling them about it because you still want to get out that you were really hurt by it? You want them to acknowledge it. When will be the magic number, the magic time, the magic day that they acknowledge it? And you say, okay, I'm letting it go. I'm moving on. And here's the problem with rehashing things. So, Trisha, I think it's such an important question. Here's the challenge with rehashing things over and over again, reopening them up, reopening them up. If your goal in expressing to your loved one is to say, look, you hurt me. Now, if your loved one heard that and is making those changes and you keep talking to your loved one like he, in this case, like he's still the same person who made those mistakes, then it's you who's keeping him in that spot, not him. We, see this is, it's, it's an important concept. It can seem, I hope I want to make it clear. We, we have this tendency to say, and, and I can see this, Trisha, where you might be saying, lashing out and saying, you know, maybe bringing stuff up and saying, you know, well, you did this and you did this, but you're reliving it is only bringing that past to the present moment. So how do you let go of that? How do you get past resentment and really genuinely let things go? Look, the reality is the past is gone. We cannot get it back. As long as you're wearing that past, you're really making it have an impact on the present, which is also impacting the future. But if you could let that past go, if you could really set it down, do as uh Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said in the Psalm of Life, let the dead past bury its dead. And if you can le- let that happen, then here's what happens. You move into the present moment. And in the present moment, your husband is, if he's the person that you, you know, everything's lining up and you're the right people for each other and who he is today, then it's on you, Trisha, to stop seeing him as who he was a long time ago. So here's what happens. And this is, this is really deep. This is emotional management though. This is deep. It gets deep. Here it is. So you will keep somebody going as like they, they wronged you and we keep them in that role. You're the person who committed an offense Okay, so now we're used to seeing that person in that role. So once that person has learned, changed that behavior and moved on, now if we don't adapt and recognize that chain, change, then we're the ones who are still stuck. And here's why, here's why this is deep. It's because if you're doing that to someone where you're constantly bringing up their mistakes, you're absolutely irrefutably probably not recognizing the role you're playing in that relationship right now. So I understand it would never minimize if when people are hurt in relationships, talk it out, work it out, get through it, do whatever you need to do. That's all absolutely. What we're talking about is way down the road, something happened down the road, and you're still trying to bring that up and make that person who he was. I, I don't think that's wise. I don't think that's helpful to growth in a relationship and really that's that's a key so my wife and I did a video on how to have a long-term successful relationship we've been married uh, 19 years We know many of you out there have been married even longer we think it's amazing um, but one of the our videos about how to have a long-term successful relationship and one of our keys was being able to grow together to grow and and that's important to be able to grow personally so, Trisha, if your husband has grown and he hasn't you know doesn't those past issues are done, then it's time to see him for who he is, and in turn, when you can do that, he will then see you as someone different because right now, maybe you're a person who is kind of uh more like that porcupine like uh or very tough to get close to because maybe i don't I'm not sure the imagery, but maybe if you keep it i I read that you keep attacking him from your pain, but your awareness around this is huge. And sometimes it's okay to say, look, none of us will really truly ever understand each other's pain. Like it hurts. Pain hurts. And we want so badly for others to understand that we will sabotage relationships for years just to let others know how much pain we were in. But here's the thing. Even in the most painful situations, eventually there's a beginning, middle and end like, I'm awed by all mothers out there. You're all amazing. Like, you had a baby. That's amazing. Like, I can't even imagine. As a man, I don't think we are capable. I mean, obviously, <laughs> that's an understatement I'm saying. I don't think that we would even be psychologically capable if we were physically able. Um, I, I have just so much admiration for that. But but the thing is, you, how many of you mothers out there had a baby, went through all that pain, and then did it again? Because that pain goes away. You're left with those good things. The same can be true when you think about being hurt in a relationship. You have that moment of pain, psychological pain. It's intense. And then it's time to let it go. It's time to let it go and to move on and get to the beauty of what you can have now. Because, Trisha, you could have a beautiful relationship with your husband now with who he is today and who you are growing to be and who you are, I'm sure, as well. This is Emotional Management. 866-391-1020 is the number. I'm telling you, if you've got children, you're saying, I don't know what to do uh, with these children. I don't want to be this frustrated. i got to ask someone. Ask Dr. Conti on Emotional Management. 866-391-1020 on KDKA Radio. It's your weekly checkup from the neck up. No matter what you're struggling with, it's always helpful to have some outside eyes. We can't see what we're in, and that's probably a challenge for us. A lot of times, we cannot see the impact that's happening all around us. So, if you'd like some insight on what's on uh, on whatever you're going through, eight six six three nine one ten twenty is the number. We talked a little bit about um, uh, resentment before the break, but I, had, what I was trying to reference I was. Doing this interview and I, I had this idea when I was talking about resentment and it's this. So I'm going to read you my quote. I'm quoting myself and I have to read it too. That's, I don't know what that says. So the, uh, the quote was this. If anger doesn't even perform well for you in the short term, then there's absolutely zero reason to sign it to a long term deal. In other words, resentment isn't worth the cost to you. So think about this. If, Anger doesn't do well. So think about your, your recent out, anytime you, you're angry, what does that result in for you? And if it's not doing well for you, if you're not really, uh, vibing and getting great things from your anger, then you definitely don't want to sign it to a long-term deal. In other words, stay angry for a really long period of time, which is what happens in resentment. And then what happens in resentment is we begin to live out that, that the role of the constant nag. And ultimately people get very upset, even when they, through, in therapy through the years, when they realize that they, they are playing a role in this interaction. And that's the thing about relationships. You're always, 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 always playing a role. So you want to be mindful about what role you're, what role it is that you're actually playing. So this, uh, comes from, uh, the youtube uh, questions but it says how do i deal uh they're we watching on the how do i deal with road rage uh video that i may I have a, uh, how to deal with road rage video on youtube and she says i cannot continue to allow others to control my anger with their staring and spiteful driving habits she said i really needed this anger management video thank you so we'll definitely thank you for watching it um I cannot allow others to control my anger with their staring and spiteful driving habits. Think about that. How many of you out there struggle with road rage? You get angry when somebody cuts you off. You get so upset when someone, why are these stupid drivers out there making all these mistakes? It's fascinating to think about anger and road rage and it's fascinating to think about it in terms of control. So. In the video and other areas, what I talk about was giving your control away. So think about it. Let's say your day, you're having a great day and all of a sudden somebody cuts you off. You get so angry with them. Now somebody calls you on the phone. Now your anger's out. You're angry with them. They're now angry with you for how you talk to them. All because you gave your control away. And you got rid of it in a hurry because that car was flying by. It's like you took your control, you tossed it in their car, and it flew off. Now your control somewhere else. So that's what happens with, with with anger on the road. We get so angry and we give away our control. So I want you to do this. I want you to visualize that your power, who you are, you're, you're the absolute core of who you are, your power source is something that's tangible, something you can touch, Let's say it's a water bottle. If you're driving, you have a water bottle with you. So imagine that's your power source. The next time someone does something on the road that makes you, that you think, man, they shouldn't have done that cartoon world. They shouldn't have done that. And you get so angry. Imagine taking your power and just tossing it in their car and letting them have your power. You don't even know where they're going with it. And that's just it. You don't know where they're going with it. That's why it's best to protect your power and not give it away. Sometimes with a visual and you think, would I really, if my power was tangible, would I really truly give it away? And I think so many times people don't realize that they are giving it away. So you might say, well, I'm not really, I have road rage, but I'm not really bothered by it. Think about how many instances where you had a little bit of anger and what that added up to over time. My dad was telling me once about uh, being mindful when pumping gas, you know, not to let the extra gas drop, but he was making a great point, which is that if even one drop falls every time somebody is at the gas station, and you think about the millions of cars out there, how many people at the gas station every day, think about how much of that is happening. So drop by drop, it becomes a lot. And the same is true when you're struggling with anger. You might say, okay, it's a little bit here, a little bit there, but drop by drop, it becomes a lot, especially if you're not dealing with it and you're not recognizing it. Sometimes we just need to shine a light on it because once we shine a light on it, now we can talk about it. It's perfectly okay to be frustrated on the road. One of the reasons why you get so angry on a road if someone almost cuts you off is your body is flooded with a bunch of adrenaline and cortisol And so here's what happens. When your body's so fired up, now your mind always wants to match your body. So your mind creates a story to match that cortisol fired up in you. So watch this. A guy cuts you off in traffic, cortisol, adrenaline rush through your body. And now with your body so amped up, you say, that shouldn't have happened. Of course, that's cartoon world because the real world is it did happen. And you say, now you start to go on and say many other things in the cartoon world. He shouldn't have done this. He should have seen me. All things that didn't take place. So that's cartoon world because real world is. He did almost cut you off. Now, if you were able to look at yourself in that moment, step out, become an observer, almost picture you jump in your own passenger seat while you're still driving and you're looking at yourself and you're saying, wow, this person is really upset for what? It already happened. Now, the actual event might have been a split second. Bam, snap. But if you keep replaying it over and over, you're keeping it alive longer and longer. So, yeah, when you are giving your control away, when people are staring at you, or you start to tell yourself a narrative that they're spiteful, think about that. You have no idea a stranger driving down the road. They could be in a hurry to get to a loved one and who they need to get to, and it's their last opportunity to see him. That could be what's happening in that car. Or maybe it could be teenagers who are super self-centered in the moment and really inexperienced as drivers, just as you and I once were as well. And maybe that's okay. Maybe they really are genuinely making a self-centered mistake. Haven't we all done that? We have a tendency to minimize the pain we cause others, and maximize the pain they cause us, and that happens a ton on the road. It's important to know. I think, look, especially in cities, to really get a grasp on road rage, because I see incidences of this happening all over where people are exploding, lives change, lives end, because someone made a mistake on the road. We say that we're forgiving, we say that we're loving, we say that we're good people, But then the moment someone does something that is different from what we would do, we become really judgmental really quickly. We become really certain really quickly too. And one of the keys to finding peace is to be a little less certain, to be a little bit more humble, more skeptical, not only of others, but skeptical even of your own thoughts. Because the more you're skeptical of even your own thoughts, the more you can take yourself a little lightly. And not get so fired up when people disagree with what you're doing. I would love to uh we're going to talk in the second hour, we're going to talk about the narrative that we tell ourselves. Because when we learn about that narrative that we tell ourselves, it changes things. But maybe you have a narrative at home and you're maybe you don't maybe it's not a narrative. Maybe it's just people who are really making you angry. Maybe it's someone who's making you really sad. Maybe it's someone who's causing you a lot of anxiety. Whatever it is, the number is 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access is kdkaradio.com. And if you like this information, if you go to YouTube, you type in Dr. Christian Conti, I have a whole bunch of videos. Those videos uh, arrange a whole bunch of different topics. But I just believe we need more mental health, proactive mental health, while we're learning about things that are going on. So give me a call, 866 391 1020. You're listening to Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. Welcome to Emotional Management. It's the show about you and whatever you're struggling with, whatever's going on in your life right now. Listen, we all have issues, we all have things that we're dealing with. The number's 866 391 1020. Um, here's an email from Daniel. He writes in all caps, hi, Dr. Conti. My name is Daniel. I've been having some anger built up inside of me and my dad got me and my dad got in a fight and he was yelling at me and I said some bad things about his dead friend. And I know I should not have said it. It just came out of my mouth. Um, Daniel, this is look, we all on a continuum. First of all, we all experience anger. We all lash out. We all say things that, you know, is you obviously know you said something that was hurtful. You recognize it. Now, the note cut off there, but you wrote in all caps. And I want to say, highlight that for a second. Text, when we're sending text to people, when we're sending emails to people, the way we write conveys tone. Now a lot of that is misunderstood. Sometimes it's misunderstood because the people sending the message don't realize the impact, the way they write has an effect, and other times it has an impact on the person who's reading it. But in any case, the fact is, when you're communicating through email or text and you write in all caps, it has a tendency to convey, I'm really upset and I need to say this now, or I'm really panicked and I can't, you know, I'm spinning out of control. Um, or you're yelling. That's the, and a lot of times people just aren't familiar with this and don't realize this, but that is what that tends to convey to people. High emotion, all caps. Watch this. If you could change from writing in all caps to writing in just normal, capitalize your starts of your sentences, <laughs> capitalize, uh, proper words and, and, and don't with the others. But if, if you can, if you can really just change that. Watch the impact it has. So right when you go to write with all caps, you change it and you say, wait, let me think about this. Even in that moment, you took a moment to step and just change that part because before you would just writing all caps. So that tiny little piece of paying attention to the shift lock button is the difference between handling your emotion more effectively or less effectively. That's really what it boils down to so now let me let me finish this because Daniel you say this to your dad you know you shouldn't have said this it was hurtful even though I't there's not more to this message what I want to say is now your next step is to approach your dad and apologize and be able to own up to it and say I did this and I really am sorry and and that that's the next step and I really believe that it takes courage to do that, but that's the next step, Daniel. So, yes, we all make mistakes. Let's learn from it, and then in the future, let's be mindful ahead of time. We're going to go to the phone lines, and uh, Rebecca from the North Hills. Hi, Rebecca. You're on emotional management. Hi,
0: Dr. Conti. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you? I'm
0: good. Thanks for taking my call. I'm your friend that uh, leaves her Recovery International meetings every Monday and then immediately puts you on on the radio.
1: Oh, you're the best. The I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> and I hope you remember me. I do. I heard, uh, I, rem- I just heard you saying, um, reading uh, the one gentleman message about his dad's bed partner, I think it was, and that the- it came out and he knew he shouldn't have said it.
1: Yes, um, yes, yes.
0: It came out. Um, something that we talk about at our meetings um, is one of the spottings that we use is that you can say what you mean without being mean. Mm. And another one is um, just to try and um, control your speech muscles, which was a hard one for me to get and still is.
1: So, uh, but I like the- that. Let's stick with that for a second because yeah. that's a really great one. That's a really great one because when you think hard. about it in terms of it's muscle, now you think, oh, I have to train it. It's going to take time. It's not going to yeah. be two seconds
0: right and it's hard to control your speech muscles when you're in an emotionally fueled moment it's really hard to do that but that's something that you know one of the things that we work on and try and talk about from again dr lowe's um books from back in the early 1900s that was one of his spottings was control your speech muscles and that sometimes means controlling how you say it you can still say it but it's controlling how you say it or it's controlling the muscle to not even speak at all. If it's just not going to come out right, it's just um, you know something maybe just controlling the the muscle completely by keeping your lips closed. It's but yeah,
1: it's, but it's, it's, it's hard to do. it is it is. But I, it's you're really. I'm so grateful that you bring that up, and it's such a great great concept. So um, I mentioned earlier on the show, uh, my daughter won her first uh, individual tennis match. So I'm super excited for her for that. I want to just find another way to get a shout out into her. But one of the things I tell, one of the things, thank you. And one of the things I tell her all the time is you master what you practice and she's been practicing so hard, so hard, putting so much effort in. And then I want to come back to your point about control that speech muscle, because when we look at it and say, okay, this is something that is worth my practicing ahead of time and not waiting till the last minute erupting and then, then trying to work on it.
0: Yes. that's, definitely a goal is to maybe incorporate some of these um, behaviors and and way of thinking and such, you know, before the time comes that it actually happens, because obviously uh, it's easy to think back and say, oh, I should have said that or I shouldn't have said that. Um, So the goal for me, I guess, and I guess that's my challenge to your listener that that wrote in, is to maybe consider you know, before you think, control that speech muscle, those speech muscles, and um, you know, then maybe a better outcome next time. But you endorse yourself for the effort, not just for the outcome.
1: Yeah, that's a gem. That's a gem of information. So I really appreciate that, um, and I appreciate you listening, um, tuning in. You're I doing. I always
0: it. do it as soon as I get out of our meeting. I do. I I hate that it's all at the same time, but I love listening to your show, Doctor Conti. Thanks for taking my call.
1: Definitely. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. Right, bye-bye. Um, that is a nugget of gold for all of you out there. Control the speech muscle. Um, so super appreciate, Rebecca, for that. That's just awesome. I think that is, uh, it helps us frame it in a way to recognize you have to practice. You have to practice. You don't just get to have patience. It just doesn't magically happen. It happens because you practice it. And how do you get good? How do you practice? Well, you practice by trying situations. So what if tomorrow, just for tomorrow, I told you that I've contacted everyone in your life and everyone you're going to encounter tomorrow, and they are all designed to test you, and your only job is to pass that test. So when you come to someone, you realize it's not about you, whatever they say, it's just simply a test. And either you... How you respond to it is entirely up to you. When you do that and you look at the world that way, it gives you a chance to pause. Kind of like Rebecca's saying, like you need that moment to think about it. And there's a way to pause. As an outfielder, I used to drop my energy. I, I was a center fielder in baseball. So if a line drive was hit directly at me, instead of running into it or running back, I would drop my, literally, physically drop my, uh, weight. And what I learned from that is a way to think about in a pressure situation, I drop my energy, even metaphorically, and say, let me evaluate as many options as possible. It takes effort to control the speech muscle, but that's a gem right there, so appreciate that, Rebecca. This is Emotional Management, 866-391-1020 is the number. I'm Dr. Christian Conti, and you're listening to KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management, your weekly checkup from the neck up. Whatever you're struggling with, give us a call, 866-391-1020 is the number. We deal about all, listen, this next question is, uh, this is important. I think this is a really important question. So Bobby writes in and says, my girlfriend's sister says she's depressed, but I don't believe in all that. I think she uses depression to get attention. Isn't depression just honestly in a person's head? Bobby. So, Bobby, this is an important question. We had a great guest on the show before, Dr. Nishant Gandhi, and he said when we talked about isn't it in your head, uh, isn't everything in your head? (laughs) We're talking about chemical interactions that occur where else in your brain? Of course it's in your head. But Actually, we might even argue that it's even more than that. So let's get to the very real, kind of a solid answer, and that is this, Bobby, no one can tell you anything. No one would be able to phrase it in a way that you would buy into it if you really don't buy into it. But is it objectively real? Yes, absolutely, 100%. So here's what happens. If you've never experienced depression, you really probably don't understand the depth that it can take you. So on a just flat-out neurological scientific answer, when people are struggling with depression, there is a deficiency in particular chemicals that are transferred from one place to another, from one neuron to another in the brain. So when you have a deficiency in, in these chemicals, so in the same amount, you're not getting the same amount as you might have been before. That's physiological. That's happening. Then we know about a gut-brain reaction, which is sometimes when you have challenges, struggles, problems in your gut, that can affect you to feel deep levels of depression, high levels of anxiety in your brain. So depression is physiological. The reality is that if you haven't experienced it, there's a tendency to minimize the impact. Oh well, it can't be that bad because I've been sad before and I wasn't depressed or I didn't experience it, so it couldn't be. So we have to really fray we have to think about that type of statement. I I, I think let me go to the second line that you talked about. I think she uses depression to get attention. So here's my argument around that. <laughs> In fact, argument's an ina- in- inaccurate word. Here's my response to that. My response to that is, we all want attention. Who doesn't want attention? Matter of fact, the toughest punishment we give people outside of the death penalty is solitary confinement. We put people away from others. We all want attention. That's very natural. There's nothing wrong or bad about wanting attention. Sometimes when we're struggling in deep ways, we go about trying to get attention in negative ways. So for instance, if we're in a lot of pain psychologically and we don't believe that others can actually understand that pain, then we might act out in ways that are pretty extreme because we really want them to understand that we're struggling deeply inside. And I mentioned this earlier in the show, this is a this is a key piece of something that I share and I teach, I've been doing so for a long time, and that is this, I believe our mind wants to match our body just as much as our body wants to match our mind. In other words, this, there's a wonderful approach to psychology called Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, beautiful, wonderful, extremely effective, it talks about how your thoughts control your feelings. Now, that's awesome and that's true. Sometimes your thoughts most certainly impact your feelings. For instance, if you're saying to yourself, oh no, this is going to be terrible. This is going to be terrible. This is going to be terrible. Then yes, you're going to be experiencing more anxiety than if you were saying, oh, this is going to be great. I'm excited about this. If you, what you say to yourself definitely impacts you, but that does not tell the whole story so cognitive behavioral is wonderful incredible i use it rely on it for certain aspects it does not tell the whole story so for instance when i was going through school and i learned about it i thought i love this idea it's it's so you know so true in so many ways But then there was a little word that changed everything. It said, your thoughts determine your reality. And I said, well, they don't determine it. Sometimes your your body really just aches. Sometimes your body is suffering in ways that impacts your mind. Your mind wants to match your body. So if you down three energy drinks right now, your heart would start racing. You would feel physiologically anxious. And then your mind would want to race in a story to make you make sense out of that anxiety. Now let's take away the three energy drinks and let's say you're struggling because of their chemical reactions are, are in such a way that you're experiencing clinical depression. So if you're struggling with that, that pain is very real. That's physiological pain and it manifests in physiological ways. Sometimes symptoms are you, you lose interest in what you used to love to do. Sometimes interests are your, or or symptoms are you're isolating yourself it's not just necessarily crying more. You could cry more, definitely. But there, even if you're not and think, well, I can't be depressed because I'm not crying. No, you absolutely could be. It impacts you many different symptoms. But here's the idea. Physiologically, there's something going on. It absolutely is real. And I think when we listen to other people talk about what's going on with them, we can't totally understand their experience. So we have to box it, put it in a box and say, look, What you're experiencing can't be that bad because I see you. Meanwhile, Bobby and I say this with love, if someone were to try to claim that they knew how you were feeling, you would probably say, no, you don't. You don't know exactly what's going on inside of me. And so what we do, though, is we we tend to think that we know exactly what's going on inside of others. Isn't that a crazy catch-22? They can't tell what's going on with us, but we absolutely know what's going on with them. And that's that ego and arrogance that we talked about earlier. Ego and arrogance. Your ego wants to say, I know exactly what's happening. This person should be responding. Cartoon world should be responding the way I think she should be responding. She shouldn't be talking like that, shouldn't be doing that. Yes, depression is very real. What I advocate is you talking to somebody, anybody who's struggling with depression or even think that you might be, talk to somebody, talk to a counselor. Talk to be able to sit down with a mental health specialist because depression is crippling, is very, very real. And there is hope because there are absolute wonderful treatments, including cognitive behavioral therapy that's super effective um, for people who are struggling with depression. And there are lots of different approaches as well. But the main thing is get in, talk to somebody, reach out, because here's what happens. Just like we tell ourselves that story, that narrative... When you're struggling with depression and your body feels physiologically down, your narrative can sometimes reflect that and start seeing the world as the world's terrible. So if your whole body's in pain, you feel like you've just been hit by a car, you just have that all over body aches, then yeah, you're probably going to see things in a more negative light. And if your body was feeling better, you would be less likely to be seeing those things the same way. So sometimes the first action step is to... Say, to say out loud what you're thinking. And that's why talking to a counselor, mental health specialist is so, so important. Tell somebody. The other thing is this. Our thoughts in our mind are so big because we don't have anybody to check them against. It's like when you're arguing in your head and you come, you're, you're in a shower and you're arguing in the shower with yourself and you come out in your mind, you think you just won some big argument when you realize, oh wait, I was just arguing with myself. But when you actually say those words out loud to someone else, it's different. That's why I would love for you to say whatever words you would like to say to get insight into your own life by calling 866-391-1020, and I would love to talk to you about any of this. If you would like more information, too, around emotional management, go to YouTube, type in Dr. Christian Conte, C-O-N-T-E, and you'll be able to see that. When it comes to dealing with emotions, well, walking through anger is coming out, and it's coming out soon. So excited. That's going to be in bookstores everywhere, walking through anger. In the meantime, this is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. I love the musical intros. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management. 866 391 is the number. All right, here is an email. It says, I find that I get very angry at my daughter. I have raised four children and have six grandchildren. My daughter, who has one child, age four, will not take my parenting advice and thinks she knows everything already. I get so upset. How can I get her to listen? So I'm so sorry that you're getting upset. Um, That's tough. That's, That's super tough to have advice to know that on top of it, like you raised your daughter and now you're trying to give her advice and she doesn't take it. So it hurts, probably hurts. So I can't imagine that. Like it, it it's, you're in pain about that. Here's the deal. Like if she's once when we give advice and when we get the reason why it's so important to us that others accept our advice, Is It shows we have value. Like, hey, listen, if you take my advice, that's tangible. Now I can see the tangible effect I'm having on your life, which means I have value. But I believe that if you can re-look at that, you would be able to see that you have value no matter what. Like, you have value no matter what. And sometimes... Look, your daughter probably just isn't ready to hear that advice. Or maybe she's ready to hear it, but she's not ready to do anything about it yet. And so then, now not only does she have the struggle she has with her child, but now she has the struggle of she's also has the weight of and guilt of not taking your advice. So now we're just compounding the problem. I get where you're coming from, it comes from love. When we see people in physical struggles, we see the arguments, we see the pain, then we say, well, let me just do this and fix it, but the problem is we don't just fix emotions. I wish we could, I wish it would just be that simple, let me just fix it. But what we can do is offer value to people, value to their lives, and honestly, I this is the center of what I teach. If you make yourself a safe space, people will want to come be around you. But if you're a space of judgment and criticism, and people will tell me all the time, well, I'm criticizing because I'm right. Okay, great. When in your life have people just told you haughtily that you're wrong and you've said, Oh, this is great. Well, if I'm wrong, then I'm happy. You know, you, you probably get defensive when people pull the rug out from you. So think about that. If you're being right, what's, what's really the goal? So I ask myself this a lot. What is the goal? And I believe the goal is peace. Like for me, it comes back to peace time and again, peace. So if my goal is peace. So for me as a father, I want to create myself as a safe space for my daughter. And I also want to be a space of peace to have her come tell me whatever she needs to tell me. And then also a place of peace just in general. Like I want her to, I want to know that I'm providing comfort and that means teaching her about the world. There are probably ev- 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 uh, emotions or experiences that my wife and I wish we could protect our daughter from ever experiencing. But that's not life. Life is you're going to run into things. So all I can do is prepare you in the best possible way. Sometimes that means even though you know exactly what to do, it's not telling the person. It's just letting them know you're there with them. Because once somebody feels safe, if they feel like they're being criticized, if they feel like you're highlighting every mistake they make, Remember, it doesn't matter if it's real or not real. It matters what they feel like. It matters what they perceive. And then if we go, well, they shouldn't perceive it that way. Well, that's cartoon world. Real world is they do perceive it this way. So how do we deal with it? So I would say give your daughter love, validate her. This is why yield theory is so important because yield theory is all about listen, validate, explore options. So you would listen to her you would really, truly listen to her. Maybe she's having a hard time and she feels like she's making mistakes and that you correct her too much. And maybe what she really wants is for you, of all people, to tell her that she's okay. And then maybe once she hears that and feels validated, she'll feel safe enough to say, you know what, I don't know what to do here in this instant with my four-year-old. So if I don't know what to do in this instance, can you help me out? And now she'll be ready to listen. When you listen when you validate, because validating, like, this is hard. Like, it's difficult to be a mother. It is. It's difficult to be a parent. And, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course, after you've done it, you can say, well, these are the mistakes I made. But what we don't know is that one thing led to another. Multiple things led to why people end up where they are. So I used to do a show on... Uh, spike network called coaching bad and my co-host was ray lewis who by the way is dancing tonight on dancing with the stars so good luck ray and uh we did a show where coaches would yell at little kids and they would scream at them you should do this you should do that and then um we we brought them out uh to a place where they lived for uh i don't know a month or so And Ray was a motivator, obviously a great motivator. And then I'm anger management specialist. So I try to teach them a different path. But one thing that one of the coaches, several of the coaches actually would say is, well, this has worked. I've had championship teams. And something that we would shine light on is just because someone succeeds doesn't mean that every single thing that happened was the best thing that could have happened. Sometimes people succeed in spite of ineffective things that are happening. So just because someone has been successful when you've uh, screamed at them and and there is a huge difference if you're just tuning in there's a huge difference between um yelling and screaming and demeaning people and disciplining people because discipline is essential like we need discipline discipline is absolutely essential to helping structure in people's lives the problem is profoundly people get it confused with when we say discipline, they think that gets confused with violence and discipline and violence don't have to go hand in hand. You never have to yell or be angry to be disciplined. So that's really super, super important. But coming back to sharing your wisdom with your daughter, if you want to share your wisdom with your daughter, that comes from a place of love and you're doing it because you want to help her. But here's what can happen, and this can get in the way, because you can get really upset, but here's a way to heal yourself around this. Here's a way to find peace. What if you were able to recognize the next time you want to say something to her, instead of telling her that thing, you just tell her you love her, because that's ultimately what the true message is. I love you. I want to see you in a place of peace, and right now I see you in a space of chaos. So how can I help you get to a space of peace? What can I do to help support You and your daughter getting to a space of peace. Now we're re-looking at it. We're looking at it together. What can I do? Nothing. Leave it. Stay out of this. Cool. I'll stay out of it. Let me know if I can be helpful. Hey, I'm here with you. I'm here with you. It's not that I have all the answers and you have to do it my way. No, I'm here with you. And when you create yourself as a safe space, your daughter's much more likely to come around. And you'll be passing down something beautiful with her. So I think that we want to add value, and you do have value. Everyone out there, you have value. We all have value. The question is, are we tapping into our best selves? I I always distinguish between you are enough, but there is always still more to do. As long as you're alive, there's more to do. Of course, there's more to do. Sometimes people get those two concepts confused and say, well, I'm not enough because I haven't done enough or whatever. Well, as long as we're alive, it's, you can eat your best. You can be as full as possible with the best food in the world. The next day, you're still going to be hungry. You need to eat. Is that meal going to say, "Oh, I wasn't enough for you"? No, it was awesome for that time. But as long as you're alive, there's always more to do. But that's not to me. That's a totally different issue than you are absolutely in and of yourself enough. You absolutely are. And when you start to see yourself as that and you love yourself, it's easier to bring that peace to others. There's still time to connect through the phone on this show at 866-391-1020. I'm Dr. Christian Conti, Walking Through Anger, my new book, it's coming out. It's available for pre-order now. I would love for you to go online and buy this, pre-order this book. This is my legacy book. I'm so excited about it. Walking Through Anger. Hey, right now, this is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. Emotional management. We're here every week from 8 to 10 on Monday nights. I love being able to do this show. What an honor. I'm really um, definitely honored by all the listeners out there, uh, the people that reach out. I appreciate it. There's still time to talk tonight. 866-391-1020 is your number if you have a question. Um, I want to um, summarize this email I got. Um, this uh, This man went through a whole lot like some really horrific things as a child, um, had a very difficult, difficult, um, life. So he finally, um, you know, he, he, he got in an accident with his, uh, when he was a kid, he begged, begged his mother for, uh, permission to drive her car. And she, when she let him, he hit a tree and she didn't make it. And that was his only family. So he's gone through a tremendous amount and now he said, I'm, I'm, I've been through decades of therapy. I can't let go. I'm in my late thirties. I'm a father now. I live in a wealthy area. I'm around people who were given everything. The men's egos are killing me. He said, it's almost uh, uh, never that I want to leave the house. I don't know how to deal with them. Is this a cry for help? Any tips you can do um, would be helpful. Okay, so two things. I mean, one, around letting go around, um, you know, my goodness, like your your mom being killed in an accident um, that you were driving the car. I mean, and then thinking, well, you were begging to asking to drive. Well, I mean, obviously you're going to ask to drive. That's a pretty normal thing for a kid to ask to drive. You wouldn't know what was going to happen. And I think you've obviously dealt with and probably talked about that a lot in therapy through the years, but that's really an important... Sometimes if you haven't dealt with that or talked around that particular aspect, like as a kid, like what would you say to yourself? You're a father now, so what would you say to your son right now if you know he's obviously going to ask at some point, can I drive a car? He's not saying, hey, can I go engage in the most horrific accident that could happen. He's saying, can I drive a car? That's all you were asking is, can I drive a car? So I think it's important for your, who you are now to talk to your younger self, sometimes having that visual of really just the two of you sitting down, having that conversation, you with your younger self. And, and what would you want to say to yourself? Think about it in terms of your son, because I think that's a really great way to look at it. In how you are as a father, what would you want your son to know? Because maybe healing it in the talking to yourself, the way you would talk to your son would heal that in you. I I think it's worth exploring, especially if you're, if you're talking to somebody in therapy to be able to sit down with somebody and kind of explore that idea. I think it's important. Let's talk about that other piece around the uh, egos. The men's egos are killing you every day. You don't want to almost leave the house. You have to deal with them. If this is a cry for help, any tips that I would bestow? Okay, so around this. So, yeah, there are going to be people who have egos. We all have egos. We all have egos. Sometimes the flaws of others and their egos are easier to see. So, for instance, if we see... A person who is famous and that person is making tons of money and they seem to be making decisions and they're not really keeping anybody you know it sounds kind of like it's almost as if they almost show them with their actions that they don't seem to care about anybody else. First of all, we don't even know the whole story behind it because when somebody is famous, they're known through a news story or you know a glimpse here and there, but we won't really know their full story. So I would always hesitate to judge anyone, but in sheer assessment, let's just assess this. When someone is in a position like that, their ego is being built up and their essence is being shoved down. So if you're really insecure, you want everybody to know, look at the things I have. It's almost as if you're defining yourself by those things. This is far from where we all want to be as people. We all know that we want to find peace. Ultimately, that's our goal is to have peace. That peace is on the inside. It's not on the outside. So when people are overtly saying, so these men in your neighborhood, when they are are overtly saying things about money or wealth or this or that, what if you were to view them as every time they say that, they're highlighting that they're far from peace? Now your mindset can be, I kind of really feel for somebody who's that far from peace. Now think about that. If, so, if somebody is that far from peace where they're stuck in a spot where they need to talk about their money, what they have, that's because they're f- struggling with that fear of what if you actually see me and what if I'm not enough? So look, I have this, I have that. Ego is around certainty. It's that concept of certainty. So a really powerful concept is the shadow projections. So here's what the shadow is. The things that you don't like about others, the qualities you don't like about others are the things you don't want to face in yourself. So we all have egos. So when when I read this email and I say, I think, yes, those guys probably are tough to... It's probably tough to be around that kind of energy because that energy is, is difficult. It, it's difficult because we can tell that it's, it's inauthentic energy. Do you ever notice that you, might, you can think that you can get away with being fake, but if somebody else is like, you can spot that in a second, but you can convince yourself, well, they can't tell I'm not genuine right now. Well, the truth is we can all spot it. We all know it. We know when it's someone's not being genuine and being genuine isn't about like oh i really do have all these millions of cars and all that. it doesn't that's not being being genuine is the essence of who you are that's that's peace that's what we're looking for so what i would say to you i would say the next time you see those guys and they say anything recognize it's almost a cry for help like look how far away from peace i am the more i heard this once <laughs> i heard this once uh, my wife was laughing about this she said i think I think the rule of thumb. She just said it in a lighthearted way, is that if you take a selfie, the higher up you hold it over your head, the lower your self-esteem. So I was joking and took a picture of the top of my head. Um, but so that if that's a rule of thumb, then we might think of a rule of thumb with this: the more people talk about what they have, the farther away from peace they actually are. So if that's what I have to talk about, and 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 look. I think this is a good way to kind of wind it down tonight. Think this week when you encounter people, what is the topic of your conversations? What are the topics of your conversations all week when you encounter people? So my challenge to you is to just catch yourself, figure out what you're talking about. Like, why do your discussions go in the direction they go in? What do you want from people when you interact? Do you want them to agree with you? Do you want them to tell you you're right? Do you what do you want from people? Be mindful of that. Be mindful of how you interact. And then if you're willing if you like this idea that we could put peace first then actively practice peace. That means being kind to people on the road. That means being kind to people in your life. It doesn't mean being walked on. It doesn't mean putting up with things you don't want to put up with. It means being kind. Because I think we could definitely use more of that. And every week we'll be here Monday nights on KDK Radio so that you can talk about whatever's going on right in, however you want to deal with it, whatever's going on in your life. Remember, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are people who have issues and dead people, and as long as we're alive, we have issues. That's okay. Our goal isn't to be perfect. It's to learn. It's to learn in every given moment. And that's what we do. Teacher actually comes from Ta That's a guidepost. So every week until next week though, as always, I'm wishing you a ton of peace. Check out walking through anger. You can get it at bookstores anywhere and come back next week and let's talk more emotions